We are continuing our worship series this morning. Uh, it's been really amazing to see where God is taking us in this subject of worship every single week. And today is no different. Um, as we go, I want to I just bring up another, another word of worship, one of the Hebrew, the seven words of worship in the Hebrew language this morning is tehillah, uh, tehillah, and it is derived from the word halal and means the singing of halals, to sing or, or to laud, perceived to involve music, especially singing. Here it is, hymns of the spirit or praise. When I was reading over this word, it was that word hymns that really stuck out to me. And if you're, if you're new to Beaches Chapel, uh, you, you may not know, we, we don't do a lot of hymns here. Uh, I grew up here, so I didn't sing a lot of hymns growing up. And it's not that we certainly disagreed with them or anything like that. It just wasn't really the culture of our church here, um, which was why it was so cool to do them this morning in the way that we did. Um, but I didn't know many growing up. As, as a matter of fact, I would say the, the way that I learned hymns was when I was asked to sing them at a wedding or a funeral. Uh, and someone would come and say, hey, can you do Old, Rug Old Rugged Cross? I'd say, absolutely. And then they'd leave, and I have to Google really quick what Old Rugged Cross even was, you know, and, uh, and all these other songs. But that's how I learned them. I didn't learn them growing up. But I have a, um, a real respect and appreciation for hymns. There is just something about them that is really unique and different. And what I would say is, and, and Ben even alluded to it earlier, that is timeless about hymns. You know, they're, they're amazing. And when we have, you know, we live in an interesting time right now with worship where we have worship songs that are just coming at us like nonstop, new song after new song. And it's, you know, I, I believe there's a lot of, of really great uh, worship songwriters with the best of intentions and the best heart to bring the church new music and to, and to sing that new song that the Bible tells us to sing. But I believe there's also some that are in there that saying, what can be the next hit, right? And so it's, it's, a, little, it's a little weird right now. Um, but that's not the case with hymns. They, they really are timeless. We're, we have this turnover. You realize, like, you, anyone remember that song, Oceans, where feet may fail? Like, I mean, when that song came out, you could not go to a church like any contemporary church without hearing that song, like we're going to do oceans, right? Uh, somewhere in, in Jacksonville, that song was being sung on a Sunday morning. Now I would challenge any of us to go to a, to a church where they've sung it in the last six months or maybe even a year. You know, that song's only nine years old. It's written in 2013 and already it's like, it's, it's past its prime. It's like we've forgotten about it, but we can sing it as well. And how great thou art in songs like that today. And we have a raucous time in worship, Right. I was, um, I was, I was at, a, at a funeral uh, over the summer, and uh, I was just attending it, and in um, part of the service, they sang, How Great Thou Art. It was one woman in, in a piano, and um, she's singing this song, and, it's, and it sounds great. It's not really our style. It was more, she had more of an operatic voice, you know, booming voice in this, in this church, you know, that's very pristine and, and beautiful church, and she's singing this song, How Great Thou Art. And she gets to this one point, I think everyone in the room kind of thought maybe it was coming to an end. And then she just hits this modulation and goes like super loud and super high. Like everyone leans back in their pews, you know, they thought the stained glass windows were going to just burst, you know, because she's just, I mean, going for it. Like, all right, girl, you do your thing, right? How yes, he is great. All right, go. And it was amazing. And, but I'm sitting there listening to her sing this song. And I started to consider the, the motivation and, and the heart of, of the person that wrote this song. 
And, 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 the, and the guy that wrote it, he's not sitting there with his pen and paper going, I wonder how many downloads this is going to get on Spotify. I wonder how many likes this is going to get on YouTube. I, I, better, I better start thinking about a lyric video so we can post it and repost it and share and all this stuff. And maybe then I'll get some royalties coming in. And how many churches are going to sing and all this? Ah. No, he sat down with his pen and his paper. He said, God, you are great. And so I'm going to write a song that says, how great thou art. Right? And that's the motivation of our worship. God, you are great. And so I'm going to sing about how great you are. And I don't care how you write that. If that is your heart, that is a timeless worship song. That stands the test of time because God was great then. He is great now and he will be great tomorrow. How great thou art, O God. Of course that's timeless. Why wouldn't it be? It's the truth. And the truth of God is a timeless truth. And I believe that if there is one hymn that is the hymn, the most iconic, and that, you know, we, could, we could argue about this perhaps, but I'm the one preaching this morning, so I, what I say goes, right? When you preach about hymns, you can say But I believe Amazing Grace, the iconic, because, I mean, who does it? It transcends even church, right? It, it, it goes out. It is a public domain song, meaning anyone can sing it. You don't have to pay anything. It is free for all. Amazing Grace, and how appropriate that a song called Amazing Grace is that iconic song. And, and if you are new to Beaches Chapel, that is what we stand on. We stand on the amazing grace of God that saved us. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. Amazing grace. Amazing grace. The person who wrote that song's name is John Newton. And when he says that he was a wretch, he says, saved a wretch like me, he is not mincing words. He was a wretch. If you don't know the story, he was a slave trader before he wrote that song. And even, more, even, even beyond that, he was, you heard the term cuss like a sailor, right? He actually has written that he made sailors blush with his language. Like he didn't just cuss, he like leaned into it hard. And what I think is so amazing, look, y'all, this is God in a nutshell. He takes a guy who is known as a sailor being the worst cusser of all the sailors and says, I'm going to have you write with your words the most beautiful song ever written, Right? <laughs> He takes what the enemy meant for evil and uses it for good. And look what he writes, a song that we are now even talking about today and that people are going to be singing until Jesus comes back. But I want to look at this song a little bit and we're going to kind of turn this series on its head some. But before we do, I want to just read with you Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For it is by... Grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. This grace that we are given, it says, is the gift 
of God, like of all the gifts that God gives us, everything that he uh, pours into our life, it is grace that is at the top because it is the gift of that grace that allows everything else to fall into place in our lives. It, it is what allows God to minister and to move in and through us and direct us and give us every good thing, right? Grace is the gift. And it's not from us. It is a gift of God, not by works. We can't earn it. We don't deserve it. We were wretches, and now we're not. We were lost, now we are found. We were blind, and now we see. You know what the definition of that word wretch is? It is an unfortunate or unhappy person. How we would say that is someone that needs Jesus. Because how more fortunate can we possibly be than to be saved by Jesus and be adopted into the family of God, to have a place in heaven, a seat at the table, right? There is a room waiting for us. How fortunate could we possibly be? What could give us more joy and more, more happiness than to be called the sons and daughters of the Most High God? And so to not have that means you are indeed a wretch, you're a wretch, and the fruit of everything that you do comes from that source, that we don't have Jesus. We are lost because we don't have Jesus. We are blind because we don't have Jesus. We are fill in the blank, sinning this way, because we don't have Jesus. But then when we have him, we're no longer a wretch. We are a new creation. The old is gone and the new is here. We are a child of God. We are fortunate. Oh, but by the grace of God, we would be just like them. It is by God's grace that you are sitting in here. It is by God's grace that you are sitting in here, whether you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior or not. I hope you know that. God's grace over you has brought you to this point in this moment in time, even if you don't know Jesus, for the opportunity that you can. God's grace, his amazing, amazing grace. It is a gift. Ephesians 1, verse 7 and 8 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. God pours his grace out onto us. We are standing under the waterfall of God's grace. And here's where we're going to pivot a little bit this morning. Because we're not going to talk just about the fact that God's grace saved us. Because as Josh mentioned earlier, our mission statement here at Beaches Chapel is that this would be a home for all to begin and grow. And grow in a relationship with Jesus. Philippians 1.6, that in confidence, right? We say this with confidence, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the coming back of Jesus. That means there is a completion to happen. That means we are on this journey. We are on this growth track of getting closer and closer to Jesus. So rather than just him save us as a wretch and say, all right, you're on your own. No, there's work to do. That means that amazing grace isn't done just in salvation. The work continues, and it is only, only done through the amazing grace of God that he pours out on us. And there's something very specific that this is, listen, I'm going to take you all behind the curtain of our day-to-day -day here at Beaches Chapel. This was, not on the, this was not part of the plan. What I want to talk about this morning, we, we knew we were going to do hymns, I had this whole idea, it was going to be really cool, and it just felt lifeless this week. It's like, Lord, this isn't it. And thank God, through the Holy Spirit, he said, this is what you're going to talk about. I said, okay. 
have to change it on Planning Center, make some edits, figure it out. But I want to talk about this amazing grace that God lavishes on us and what we do with it. Because it's through his amazing grace that we are saved, right? But the greatest commandment that Jesus gives is to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love our neighbors as ourselves, to love people. All right, I'm getting a little real here. Because people, y'all, are hard. People are hard. Especially people that are close to us. And especially people that have hurt us dearly. People that have put wounds in us. And damaged us. And bruised us. People that have done that and we still carry that with us. It's hard. It hurts. But this work that God is continuing to do in us requires forgiveness. Because God wasn't just saving us to get to heaven. He was saving us right now. And that work that he wants to do includes healing us on this journey so that we can grow closer to him. I think it's so fitting and so appropriate that we're talking about this in worship because what better place to allow ourselves and our heart to forgive others than in worship? Because worship is where our hearts are softened. Worship is where we, where we grow close to the Lord. Worship is where we are reminded of who God is and who we are in Him. And let me tell you all something. We, can, we will never be able to lift our hands as high as we want when we carry the weight of unforgiveness in our lives. And the thing is, we might not even know it. We might not even know that we're carrying this burden. And God's saying, I want to show you and I want to heal you with my amazing grace that I have poured out on you. You can't work at it. You can try as much as you want. And some of y'all in here, I believe, have been doing that. You have been trying to forgive. And instead, the prayer needs to be, God, give me the grace that you showed me so I can show to others, so that I can be healed from this. Because I need it, Lord. I'm trying. I'm trying, and I want to forgive. I want to move on. I need your amazing grace. The good news is, y'all, he gives it. He gives it. He has lavished it on us. He is rich with it. Listen to what it says in Isaiah 61, verses 2 and 3. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. I'll tell you something, unforgiveness imprisons us. Unforgiveness puts chains around us, but forgiveness frees us. Forgiveness breaks those chains, and that's why Jesus came. To free us from sin and to free us from hurt. Real hurt. God wants those chains broken 
And I want to say this to you as well. I hope you're listening. Those that are already kind of feeling the emotions coming. Because this has been a struggle for you. I believe this is the Lord this morning. He wants to tell you that it is not your fault. It is not your fault. In case you didn't hear me, it is not your fault. We're surrounded by wretches, people that are unhappy, that don't know Jesus. And they do things to you, and they th say things to you that you don't deserve. You may have been born into it. Maybe you married into it unknowingly as a parent or as an ex-spouse or current spouse. Maybe it was your kid where you thought you did everything right. It's not your fault. And you need to let that burden go right now and stop assuming that it is, that you must have done something wrong. You, you must have done something that would have caused this, that God is maybe even, is even punishing you for this. No. No. If you can't believe it for yourself, listen to me. It is not your fault. God wants to free you. He wants to do it with his amazing grace. He doesn't want to give you a list of things to do by works. He wants to free you. It's not your fault. Luke 22, sorry, Luke 23, starting in verse 33, says this, When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals. This is Jesus on the cross. One on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Listen, I'm not reading these verses to you. The lesson in here this morning is not, all right, Jesus forgave others. You need to go do it, right? This is what I want to pull from these scriptures that I'm reading this morning. It's a very big word in here. It's three letters, and it's in the middle of verse 34. And it's the word and. Everyone say and. Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And. So Jesus is on the cross. He forgives them. And they cast lot for his clothes. And they sneer at him. And they mock him. The point here is this. Jesus forgives them. And the behavior continues. The hurt continues. Jesus, who is nailed to the cross, who is fighting for every breath, who has thorns dug into his head, blood going everywhere, dying for us, this amazing grace, this grace personified in the person of Jesus Christ. Grace that you can touch. Grace that you can see. Is nailed to the cross. And he says the most powerful words Father, forgive them, and the behavior continues. Here's my point. 
you can forgive someone and they continue to act the same way. Because God is not asking you to forgive that person or those people so that they will change. He wants you to forgive them so that your heart will be healed. And so we can, we can wait and wait and wait for the behavior to change, and it never will. And you might be sitting here going, Jay, I'm trying to forgive, but they keep doing it. And they keep, listen, they might. That's not your business anymore. Your business is your heart to the Lord. Your business is Jesus freeing you from captivity, giving you liberty from prison, giving you a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. And that requires your action, not theirs. The actions might not stop. And listen, y'all, they may never stop, but check this out. Check this out. In the moment of Jesus on the cross, hung there with nails, bleeding all over the place, suffocating, it wasn't the people on the ground who had power over him. He had power over them. He had power over them because he had forgiven them. When we forgive those that are hurting us and unintentionally, intentionally, whatever the case may be, continue to, they are powerless over us and nothing makes the enemy more mad than when his attacks on us don't work. It's like a Nerf arrow going against a stone wall. And that's what the Lord is trying to do in our hearts with forgiveness. He's, listen, we started this entire series by talking about worship being a weapon, right? Forgiveness is a weapon. It heals our heart. It lets us free. Don't wait for the behavior to change. You might be waiting your entire life. But listen, that behavior is not a reflection on your heart. It is not a reflection on you. It just means that those that are hurting you are still lost and haven't been found yet. But just maybe, those that hurt you, just maybe, they're going to be that guard that looks up and says, surely this is the Son of God. Looks at you and says, I want that. We have to learn to forgive. And listen, it's not by works. It's not by trying harder. It's by the amazing grace that God lavishes on his children. And it might take more than one try. Grace, y'all. Grace is about freedom. Grace is about freedom. I know this is hard. I know it's really hard. And there's, there are deep wounds. There are deep wounds. That's why Jesus died on the cross. That's why he bore his wounds, holes in his arms and in his legs. That's why he hung on the cross so that he could heal our wounds. So he could set us free. And I know that I know that I know that there are some of us in here that are hurting because of what other people have done to us and it doesn't seem fair, it doesn't seem right. And you've, you're paralyzed by it. You're stuck in it. And you can't get out. I believe this morning, I'm believing this morning that through God's amazing grace, he will set you free. He will set you free. And it might, begin, it might begin the process. This might be your first understanding of it. Or I've been doing this all wrong. 
Praise God to put you on that path. But he wants to finish this good work that he started in you. We were broken when we came to Jesus. We're so broken. It takes a while. But know this. It's not your fault. And God has the grace to see you through it. But you have to start giving him it over and over again. Because remember, it's not by works. It's not by you trying harder. It's you asking for God's grace on it over and over and over again. So we're going to have the band come back up. We're going to close with some worship. We're going to have our our elders come up. We want to pray for you. Um, all, for, for whatever, all, all, all sorts of different things. But especially if you are struggling in this area and you just, need, you just need prayer. You need someone to stand in agreement with you. Listen, the power of agreement in prayer is huge. It's everything. So come up and we'll pray with you. Please. Why, why walk through this process of forgiveness by yourself? We are a family. We are a family here. We want to walk with you in it. Because it's difficult. If you need prayer for anything else this morning, we want to pray for you as well. But I, I know God is moving this morning. He is moving in our hearts. I mean, my goodness. Worship was just it. But he's not done. We're going to prepare for communion this morning as well. So if you have your cups, you can go ahead and open them now. Make the crinkle noises while I just kind of wait. I want to say, too, to you this morning, if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you can hear the songs and thinking, I, I have this hole that is causing me to be unhappy and I'm trying everything I can, it's time for you, too, to surrender. God to do that work in you. You can't do it yourself. None of us can. None of us can. Listen, Beaches Chapel is a group of people that say, I can't do it, Lord. You do it for me. We stand on his grace. We brag about it. We say, thank you, Jesus, that, I, that you did it for me because I sure can't do it myself. Yeah, I'm not going to boast in me. It's not by works. It's by your grace. So I'm going to boast in you. I'm going to shout it from the rooftops. And there was no way that I could have saved myself. But because you died on the cross for me, you saved me. And you are continuing to do that work. And you will see it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. So if that's you this morning, I want to encourage you. Come up and we'll pray for you. It'll change your life. It'll change your eternity.
you did it anyway because you have amazing grace over us and you pour it out freely on us, Lord, so that we can walk in it every day, both for ourselves and our relationship with you and our relationship with other people. salvation, you continue to free us. And the hurts that we brought into this whole thing, this this relationship with you, you want to heal those as well. And all of it is through your blood, through your sacrifice. Oh, what a great God we serve indeed. How amazing is your grace indeed, oh Heavenly Father. You are rich in Yes, he was, but he was also human. 
was able to do it because of his relationship with his father, not because of his relationship with the people. It's because of his relationship with the father that gave him strength to forgive the people. Too many times we look at the people and trying to forgive that when really we need to be looking at the father to forgive the people. So as we worship this morning, let's look at the father. Let's look at our God. And in our weakness, he will make us strong. Let's stand to our feet. We're going to continue to worship. And if you need prayer for any and everything under the sun, please come up.